Ladies and gentlemen, the Empire Podcast is proud to present the Empire Podcast at Downton Abbey, a new era. Fanfare Orchestra. <laughs> a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. If you are posh and you don't know where to nosh, then you can always go to Downton. Downton. What's happening? If you are rich, then throw the poor in the ditch. <laughs> Seems to help, I know. <laughs> Downton. Downton. Hello, Paul. I'm Chris <laughs> I love the fact that you didn't even warn us that was coming. <laughs> I'm Chris Hewitt, and you are cordially invited to the Empire Podcast spoiler special to celebrate Julian Fellow's latest cinematic triumph, Downton Abbey, colon, a new era. And I am joined for the next, well, I want to do at least four hours, but <laughs> but Helen here seems to think we can only do 45 minutes or so in this that, motion yes. picture stuff again. Mm. So, okay, man. But I'm joined by my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, our very own Dowager Countess, Helen O'Hara. What ho? What ho? Tip top, tip top, <laughs> top hole, spiffing. all that, spiffing. And our very own Dowager Cunt, James Dyer. <laughs> that sort of, that loomed towards me with the <laughs> fatal inevitability of the lorry that killed Cousin Matthew. All the tedious uh, inevitability or, or of an uh, unloved season. Or the iceberg that killed the previous heir to the Dowager. That's Cunt. true, oh and they kick-started this whole affair. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, you either had that or the man who puts the Cunt in Count. Yeah, okay, true. Because of course, as you all know, Chris, Lord Grantham's original heir died Leslie on the Grantham. Titanic. Sorry, yes, Leslie Grantham. Leslie yeah. Grantham's uncle died, died on the Titanic, the Titanic and yeah. that kickstarted Downton. Yeah. That kickstarted Downton. And then they had to bring in cousin Matthew as the replacement heir because Lady Mary, being a woman, wasn't allowed to inherit. And, you know, it was obviously very traumatic for everyone because cousin Matthew was whisper it, <laughs> middle class. He was very middle class, wasn't he? He was a doctor. Was he a doctor? Oh, only a doctor. The son of a lawyer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the son of oh, a lawyer. Mere lawyer. Disastrous mm. Absolutely disgustly. The most ghastly man. He was trying to save but, lives and approve the lots of others. But it turned out he was a hottie and then married Lady Mary, That's which Dan solved Stevens. the whole problem. Spoiler. That, oh, was, that, Dan that was Dan Stevens. Have I told you that I ruined that for J.J. Abrams? You've ruined so much for so many. Uh, yes. Well, J.J. Abrams ruined a lot for me, so I reckon it balances out. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, one, one. Uh, yes, I interviewed him before, actually while he was, I think it was before he started work on Force Awakens, when it had just been announced. So he was in pre-production on Force Awakens. And we had a chat and he was really into Downton. I was like, oh my God, Cousin Matthew, can you believe he died? And he was like, what? And I was like, shit, I'm so sorry. And he didn't know. Oh no. And he went, uh, when he came here to start filming on that, he went to Highclere Castle and there was a picture of him. I've been to Highclere. Of course you have, Helen. I did. I, I went to a wedding there. I have danced in the Great Hall. I have eaten dinner in the sort of the library sitting room thing where lots of things Did you happening. not eat in the scullery? I feel like no, your politics I was would above oblige stairs the you. the whole time. No, I know. You uh, must have been... And, and the, the dining room where they always have breakfast was right. just a table covered in cheese and wedding cake. And the skins say. of the poor. And the skins <laughs> of the poor. Well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, we, we caught a new batch this morning and of course, Carsters here hasn't quite skinned them, but you'll have to make do. Mr. Carson. Mr. Carson. <laughs> Mr. Anyway, welcome to the spoiler special for Downton Abbey, A New Era, uh, which of course is the second Downton Abbey movie. It is a sequel to, what was it, what was it called? Downton, Downton Abbey. Downton was it Downton Abbey the movie or was it just, just Downton Abbey? Just, mm. Downton, just Downton Abbey. Abbey yeah. Yeah. Isn't that confusing? Because the TV show is yes. called Downton Abbey. Yes. 
It's Are you also, sure it wasn't called Downton Abbey the movie? Pretty sure. Yeah. Also, it was. It's the one where Tom Branson foils an assassination attempt on the king, which is so, fucking absurd. Yes. So many wild yeah. uh, plot lines. As, in as a former Abbey. yes Irish Republican, there uh, he foils <laughs> he foils an attack on the king because he knew, knows it would embarrass his ex his late wife's family. Yeah, his politics has gone out the fucking window. By this I, point, I'll be honest with honestly. you, I'm conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was he, to be fair. <laughs> anyway, but what what was Sibby of thought? That's the question. What? Who is Sibby? Would be my question. Why yeah. is Sibby? Yeah, is also my question. See, I don't know anything about Downton Abbey, uh, but I watched the first Downton Abbey, uh, the movie in the movie in the cinema. Downton Abbey, the movie, and I quite liked it, but it didn't make me want to go back and investigate what was happening hmm. in the previous how many episodes? A lot. Six seasons. Six, six, I six think? seasons. Okay. Seven minutes. Oh. But uh, thankfully, James in particular is fully up. He is something of a Downton scholar. Uh, and so whenever I dry up on people's names, and I promise you over the period of this podcast, I will dry up on people's names. Uh, I'm obviously fully on board on, on their actions and what they do and their characteristics and everything that happens in this movie, which is a delight, mm-hmm. Helen. Sure. But uh, I may dry up on the name. So thankfully, James is going to be here to, to set me straight. And let's hope that I remember. I remember that Lady Edith is now the Marchioness of Hexham. Yes, I know. So, that's, yeah. a, that's a big thing for you. It yeah. is, yes. And Lady Edith is, of course, which one? Laura that? Carmichael. Laura Carmichael, Laura Carmichael yeah. who was yeah. on the Empire yeah. podcast. Yeah, see, see, with yeah. Tuppence Middleton, who plays... Lucy. Lucy. Lucy, Lucy who is e. married to... Tom. Tom Branston. And they're all written by... Julian Fellows. Who is our interviewee on... This podcast. This podcast. Hooray! <laughs> so before we really properly get into Downton Abbey, a new era, uh, Helen here put aside... <laughs> My class warfare. Yeah. To sit on the skins of poor people and speak to Julian Fellows. Lord Julian Fellows, isn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, is this the first Lord, Lord you've interviewed? I, oh, I don't know. I get, yeah, maybe. Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? It's a good question. How, how many, many, how many knights have you interviewed? How many dames have you interviewed? How many lords have you interviewed? Maybe this is this week's question on the Emperor podcast. Were you allowed to address your questions to him directly or did you have to go through an intermediary? <laughs> yes, I was far too, far too, um, yeah. Non-posh. I don't believe he speaks to her. He doesn't do Zoom. He, he does he, carrier pigeon. You have to you have is, to you have to write your question on a little piece of paper, put it inside the, the pigeon's leg, inside the pigeon's leg, and then it flies off to inside the pigeon's leg. The palace. That's not how carrier pigeons work. But carry on <laughs> to fellows towers, and then he receives it, and it's read out to him by his butler, his equerry. Batman, his equerry, if you will, and then he he take, he takes his quill, his parchment, he writes a response. It's a good job we're not leaning into stereotypes on this podcast. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. So uh, for the, the for the following interview, the roles of Julian Fellows and Helen O'Hara will be played by actors. There you go. Yeah. So here we go. Helen talking to Julian Fellows about Downton Abbey, a new era. Please do enjoy. I feel like there's only one place to start here, and that's with <laughs> the Dowager Countess. I mean, this has been sort of, you know, rumoured and feared in, I think, every single season of the show, certainly in the last movie. And, and now the day has finally come. Well, uh, yes. I mean, we've gone from 1912 to 1928, so 16 years. Uh, and in my reckoning, uh, you know, Violet started at about 76 and is now, you know, departing at 92, which seems perfectly reasonable to me. Good innings. Good innings. Uh, good innings. Uh, Maggie was a little bit older than Violet when she began, and she is a bit younger than Maggie now. But I mean, the difference between 16 years and 12 years, not very great. So the, the actual amount of time we have moved forward is only 
four years, you know, only four years different. So I, I think all of that was all right. But, but I, we'd signaled in the last film that, that this was probably coming. But I, I felt uncomfortable with the idea that we hadn't given her a major send-off. I mean, I think as a character, she did require, you know, black plumes and nodding tenant farmers and snatching off their hats and all of it. Uh, and, uh, and I felt for the, the family members, we've seen these relationships and we've known that she and Cora have always had a slightly angular connection. I mean, they were able to work together in the interests of the family, but they weren't either of them the other one's first choice as a companion at dinner. And, you know, these seem, that, that kind of relationship, I enjoy writing. I think actors enjoy acting them. Yeah. And they have a reality. In, in so many films, you either adore people or you hate them and they're your enemy. But in real life, that's not the case. You, you know, you have people and God knows you have people in your family who you sort of have to put up with and you have to find a way of getting through Sunday lunch uh, and not spoiling it for everyone else. But you know, all of that requires constant adjustment and putting yourself in check and, and all that, which I, I think makes for rather good screen entertainment. Uh, and then she's had, of course, much less complicated relationships with her granddaughters uh, and uh, has always shown her own softer side. I mean, every now and then she has slightly reprimanded Mary. And, you know, in this film, when Mary says, I'm going to the films with the, with the director, and her response is, have you heard from Henry? And, and uh, you know, there's a, there is a, a slight rebuke in that. But on the whole, she's had an uncomplicated relationship with her grandchildren, but she's had quite a complicated one with Branson. Uh, and that is sort of played out here. Um, and, you know, all of that, I think, I didn't want to miss doing it. I felt there was lots of opportunities for nuance and, and her relationship with, um, you know, um, Isabel. Mm. Uh, you know, that with Penelope, again, has been a kind of evenly matched, but quite um, confrontational relationship. Uh, and I thought that deserved to be played out. Yes. Um, in a sort of, well, in a proper way, really. Mm. And, and both actresses are more than capable of taking that opportunity. They are so fun together. <laughs> They're so, yes. so entertaining to watch. Um, but you also have in this film a sort of, a, a kind of a fake out with, with Cora. So it's, um, it's the sort of, is, is it really going to be Violet who dies or is she just going to hang on forever, which seems plausible and, and they're going to you know, pull the rug out from under us with, with this other health problem. Was that, was well, that a deliberate misdirect a little bit? Uh, slightly deliberate, but I mean, I've already done that story, mm. which was in the war when Cora had Spanish flu and everyone gave up on her and Lavinia had flu, but she was going to be fine. 
uh, and then we reversed it. Um, so I did, wouldn't want to do that again. Um, although actually it was quite funny after that because uh, David Robb came to me and he said, look, I'm the doctor. I never get anything right. He said, <laughs> I, I said, Matthew's spine was gone. No, it wasn't. I said, Cora's going to die. No, she didn't. I said, Levin, will be fine. She's dead. He said, can you just give me a medical plot when I get it right? And so <laughs> I gave him the, in the um, plot with uh, Sybil. He was the doctor who got it right. And unfortunately, they listened to the grander London doctor played by Tim Pickett-Smith, who got it wrong. Uh, and so David, to some extent, felt he had recovered his amour prop. But um, no, I, I, I think you always want a sense in a series that you're not completely sure everyone's going to live to the end. I mean, in the old days, it was different. And if Rock Hudson was the hero and Elizabeth Taylor was the heroine, you knew they were going to be alive at the end and they were going to be happy. And that's, I don't think you want that in a series. You want that as an aspiration, but not as a certainty. Uh, and so I think you do. I mean, of course, in some series, I mean, like Game of Thrones, you, you, you know, they, they're quite happy to kill the lead. You know, he suddenly is chatting along, playing the lead, and he gets an arrow through his neck, and that's the end of that. I don't think we go quite that far, but uh, I, I want people to believe that this may be the end for Elizabeth. Uh, and, uh, and I want her philosophy, which is that dying doesn't make you a sad person, uh, I think is a good philosophy. Mm. And for some people, I think it's quite a useful philosophy. So I wouldn't want to undermine that by making it clear that she's going to be fine. Mm. Uh, and I think it also, because I felt a little bit guilty about Hugh and Elizabeth, that in the last film, they were never off the screen. I mean, they had plenty to do but they didn't really have much of an emotional mm. story. They were essentially the ushers, you know, leading the story around and showing it to its seat. But uh, I thought they, it, it was time they both had plenty to do emotionally. And so in, in this film, they both got uh, a lot to play and, mm. um, uh, and they both do it very well. Mm. It's 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 a very emotional film in that sense, and there's a lot of romance here. Which you know, sort of going into it, you know, not having rewatched the first film immediately, I was like, well, everybody's coupled up now. Everything, you know, everything is possibly tied off. And then, of course, it, it's not quite true, and there, there's quite a few sort of little get-togethers in this one. So, you know, do you want to give everyone a happy ending? Just a little bit. Um. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I do, really. I mean, if someone came up to me when we were, when I was writing scene two and said, here's film two, here is a contract for film three, mm. then that might have made a slight difference that uh, maybe, you know, you would lock in something that had gone wrong and then sort it out. But of course, they don't ever do that. And I feel... Our, our 
followers, our, our supporters, uh, whatever name one gives them. Uh, you know, they've been a very loyal body of viewers for 12 years. And I, I think they deserve to feel that everything's come right in the end. You know, I mean, nothing is completely right in life. There's always something waiting around the corner to go wrong for you. Uh, and that's as true of fictional characters as it is of real people. Yeah. But within those limits, some people are leading a life that is clearly going pretty well, uh, and others are not. And I want them to feel that this bunch are going to be okay. You know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I mean, you, you even sort of made hay out of uh, yeah, Matthew Good, who I believe was was a discovery of witches. Was the there was a there was a clash, I think, in his schedule. Um, so he obviously wasn't he isn't in this film, but um, but that allowed a little bit of room for a little bit of a flirtation between Lady Mary and and Jack. Yes, and as as Jack's you know trouble in paradise and and all of that. Uh, I mean. I don't know if we'll do another film and I don't know what we'll do with that storyline, but uh, I, I wanted it clear that this marriage wasn't a complete walkover. That, that, you know, as she says herself, marriage is a novel, not a short story. Uh, and there are plenty of twists along the way. And, and she is conscious of the fact that this isn't quite turning out how she'd imagined. Uh, which, you know, is something that probably a quarter of the audience are having to deal with. And, uh, you know, I like those moments when we produce a predicament that is a very ordinary one. And, and the fact that she's Lady Mary and living in Pycliffe Castle, that's completely irrelevant to that consideration that what she is going through, there are factory workers on that you know producing that who know exactly what she's going through yeah. and that i think is a strength of the show that we make people sympathetic there was a sort of i think it's gone a bit actually but about 15 years ago there was a sort of truth in television drama particularly at the bbc where you couldn't identify with any character who wasn't exactly like you and so all drama had to be this and all principles had to be that. Uh, when I think that's, you know, what's commonly known as bollocks, I think <laughs> if something, or, or we'd never have Winnie the Pooh or Ivanhoe. I mean, yeah. how, does it, you know, how does it finish? It's like saying actors can only act people with their own life experience. What does that mean with a murderer? You know, can you only employ someone who's guilty at least of manslaughter? I mean, you know, all of that, I, I don't go with any of it. But uh, I, I do think it's very good when stories reach across all those, those things and, and you get really involved with someone whose life, who's going through a very different life from yours, but you get this predicament. Yeah. Uh, and and I, that's what I hope to achieve. Do you think we could be back here in 30 years where the Dowager Lady Mary discovers she's got a villa in L.A. that uh, her old, old uh, would-be lover has left her? Oh, don't. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But um, I think it might be quite fun to revisit them in a different period when mm. 
George is grown up and in his fifties or whatever, and uh, and and as we all think, Mary has to a certain extent become uh, Violet. You know, yes. um, I don't know. I think that might be quite fun, but you better not release this bit, or I'll. I once, <laughs> so funny, I was on the stage at the National. We were doing an evening with screenwriters, and, or, and different people were talking. So, and someone said, you know, would you ever, um, I can't remember the question was, but I said, uh, well, it might be quite fun to, to dramatize the romance between Robert and Cora, because we know that when they married, mm. he was marrying her for her money yeah. and she had fallen in love with him. And then he fell in love with her later. Uh, and we already know that. And that might be quite fun to dramatize. By the time I got home, uh, I was being asked when the filming dates were. And by <laughs> the following morning, there was a casting list. I mean, you know, yeah. but... Um, so this anyway, is not an announcement of Downton Abbey, the next generation, just to be very clear. This is not. No, this <laughs> is not. But I, I think, you, you know, these things, it's fun. It's fun when you've made something that, that takes on this kind of iconic, ongoing pseudo-reality, yeah. you know, uh, and I, I've enjoyed it. Just one quick question then on that, because, you know, people are going to be asking about Downton Abbey 3 if, if, if there's another film to come. I mean, you're getting into 1929, stock market crash, depression era starting. Does that make it more difficult to do, to, to play with these characters? Does that make their lives harder to dramatise? Um, I mean, a lot of these families got through it, you know, like everyone else get, got through it. Uh, and uh, going back into service uh, was, in some cases, an unwanted option, but nevertheless was an option yeah. in a period of unemployment uh, and deprivation. So it doesn't ne one doesn't necessarily cancel the other out. Um, I, I think it was a strange time for the West. I think the 20s had given them the illusion of ongoing prosperity and everything lovely. But I think the 2010s and teens gave us exactly the same illusion. I think Western Europe was fine and everything was going to be fine. And, you know, the more motorways and gas pipes, the better and everything lovely. And, and this latest period has shaken us all uh, and suddenly made us think that, what we never questioned uh, has to be questioned now and, and different strategies have to be put in place and different survival mechanisms and so on. And so I think exploring that in another era might be quite interesting, really. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't This know. is not an announcement. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much. And, um, Yes, best of luck with uh, Downton Abbey, the next generation. Okay, so that was Lord Fellows, if you will, uh, talking to Lady, Lady Helen. <laughs> Lady O'Hara, Marchioness of this podcast. Yes, he he's a delightful man. Like, it, you know, even given my principles, it's very hard to argue with him on a personal level. He's he's lovely. I interviewed him for the first Downton. I thought he was, he was a ton of fun. Mm. I also interviewed him on a film called Piccadilly Jim, which I've never seen, but it was filming 
in Piccadilly. He wrote it. So after Gosford Park, mm. which was the film that propelled him to writing stardom, got nominated for an Oscar, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, that, of course, from that came the idea and the inspiration for, for Downton yeah. Abbey. But he made a film with Sam Rockwell called Piccadilly Jim, which they shot over here in a... Did you, you're looking I at me... Because I interviewed him for Piccadilly Jim. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. What? This is all full circle. dream. Yeah. Also, he won the Oscar for, for Gosford Park. He won the Oscar won for the Gosford Oscar. Park? Yeah, he yes. did. I knew that. Of course he did. Of course What's I did. What's an Oscar, he said? <laughs> <laughs> I have it melted down for scrap, of course. The children play with it as a trinket. To, to gild the roof of my yes. estate. Again, we apologise. We, we apologise. Again, we thank Julian Fellows for his time and for agreeing to be on this podcast <laughs> where we take him very, very seriously. Yes, indeed. Um, yes, but... Yes. Uh, but uh, here, here, okay, so we're going to get into Downton Abbey, yeah. a new era. So once again, I don't know the TV show. I've only seen Downton Abbey the movie, which I quite enjoyed. And I went to see Downton Abbey, a new era, the other day on my own at my local picture house. And can I just say, folks... I had a blast. <laughs> As well you should. As well you should. I had a blast. Well, I mean, the, this is the thing. Oh, no, no well, that's unprofessional. Terribly unprofessional. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, isn't it, about Downton Abbey? It's that it's basically all about lovely people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and therefore it's very, very hard to, to get viscerally angry about it. Even though everything about it is objectively terrible. It's, it goes against... Pretty much everything we stand Every for and believe. Every principle we stand yeah. for. But at the same time, like it's so his whole thing when 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 he was asked to come up with a Gosford Park style thing, when he was asked to come up with a Gosford Park style thing for TV, you know, he was like, well, the thing about Gosford Park is they're all miserable. Like all the time, everybody yeah. in that film mm. is pretty miserable, and that is not something that people are going to want to come back to again and again and again. Yeah, because it's it's a it's kind of it could be a drag. It isn't in the film. Gosford Park is magnificent if you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. But it could be over time. And so he's gone kind of in another direction. And his basic philosophy, which I share, is that people are generally trying to do their best. And generally, you know, you should give people the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, you can probably muddle through. I agree with him on that. It's just, you know, I feel like he maybe gives the aristocracy a little more credit than I personally would in my dealings with them and in my dealings with, you know, this country. So uh, so, so that, I guess, is where we differ. But but his characters are generally quite lovely. They are. I just, the thing is, and I said this when I reviewed this film, like it, this is as much a fantasy as The Witcher is. Like, yes. oh, yeah. just it's wishfully fulfillment. nonsense. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, instead of got elves, you've got posh people in South France. Uh, and it's absolutely fine. And I think if you treat it as that <laughs> and not as, you know, a reflection of the class imbalances in this country, I, I think it's fine. I think it's good. But I will say, so, so Terry White, formerly of this parish, none more staunchly working class. And she obviously refused to watch Downton Abbey. On general principle, but over many, general many... General principles won the characters. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Lord general principle. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, uh, I, I wore her down over many months and years on the Pilot TV podcast, and I got her to watch it, and she mainlined the entire thing straight through and became obsessed with it. Obsessed. And also, there was a lot of self-loathing there. She really hated herself a little bit for how much mm. she loved it, mm. but she is a mm. proper Downton Stan now. <laughs> Yeah. Down to stands on the surface. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> downstairs. Works. downstairs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know that I'm I'm moved yet, even though I very much enjoyed this movie because I think it's just very well put together, and I think that it's uh, Helen's going to disagree. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I heard the intake of breath already, but yeah. I think it's I think it's I think you know 
it, it does a very good job balancing how many major a roles? Like 20, a, 25? And giving all of them something to do. All yeah. of them get something mm. to do. And I, I, I'd love to sit down with a stopwatch and just time this movie because I think that the longest scene in this film is probably around two minutes. <laughs> it, it just flits around. Yeah. But Fellows is so good at getting in, getting into a scene, giving, you know, maybe each scene has maybe two, three characters in it max, and they have a little bit of a business uh, for 90 seconds, advance the plot, advance the arcs just enough, and then he's off to the next one. Yeah. And it's just really efficiently made, very well acted, it's quite winning. Uh, and Helen, before you, you shit on my, my dreams, <laughs> can I just say that as well, I think one of the reasons why I really liked it was I, I saw this, as I said, local picture house on a Monday afternoon and uh, I had finally edited enough podcasts to say, you know what, I'm going to watch Downton ahead of the spoiler special. I thought it would be good to watch the film ahead of the spoiler special rather than just guess. Yeah. So uh, I took myself to the cinema and it was mid-afternoon and it was filled with... Let's put it this way. I was the youngest person there. Mm. And it was filled with people who are clearly big Downton fans. So I sit down and about eight minutes in, someone appears. It might have been... Oh, what's the, the guy who ends up being the screenwriter? Uh, the oh, Mr. Molesley. Mr. Mr. Molesley. Yeah. So he appears on screen, and the guy behind me goes, "Oh, as if like, like an old friend has just walked well, in." Because you could easily forget about Molesley. Like, yeah, and that's the thing. I like, I, I, I got that, and he came. I was like, Molesley. Molesley. Oh, it's Molesley. And then Dominic West appeared yes. uh, a few seconds later as mm. Guy Dexter, and the, the guy again behind me tutted approvingly. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Now, now we're in for a proper good old British. <laughs> British character acting, yeah, what ho. You're getting to the point now when, when these people turn up for, for their little turns in the movie, you're like, how have you not been in Downton yet? Yeah, yes. Yeah, 100%. How is it possible? But, Dominic West, like, honestly. I mean, come on. But no, it, just, it just made me realise that, because I said this last time about the first movie, that it was Avengers Endgame for Tories. And <laughs> But but watching this, just being in this 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 room and hearing people applaud politely on in the right places. Left. Yes, on one's left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Britain's ass. <laughs> so, yeah, this was Spider-Man No Way Home for for Tories, it and it was just such a delight to be in this room with people just reacting to this movie. They were clearly all big Downton fans. They knew who all the characters were, and they were just reacting accordingly in all the right moments. Now, Helen, you may shit upon my head. No, I, I'm not going to shit upon it entirely because I agree with you about the writing. I think that Fellows is very, very good at what he does and he's exceptionally good at balancing these enormous songs. A jolly good Fellows, in fact. Indeed. You could so have, so all of us? Like, yes. you could have got him, you know, if you had somebody else to maybe contribute a little bit of the action scenes, you could absolutely have called upon him for Avengers Endgame <laughs> because he also could have, could have, you know, kept that many plates spinning. Like, he has that talent. That's his power. That is his power. He's my, the plate spinner. My issue, I suppose, is is not so much with the writing as the direction. I, I do like the director, Simon Curtis. I think he has done very good things in the past. Things like My Week with Marilyn, which was really good fun. Um, he, a Goodbye Christopher Robin, stuff like that. I, I just felt like some of the decisions here were slightly baffling to me. And it was mostly little things, but they really leapt off the screen. So before anybody goes to the south of France, both Tom Branson and uh, Lord Grantham have glowing tans. Oh, yes. Yeah, they do. I was like, that is, I mean, that is like a radioactive. Radioactive glow. That is such a simple thing to fix. Like there is some makeup artist, surely, with some powder there. And yet, they nobody did. Do you know what I mean? And it just felt like there were things like that that were just small, rushed past things 
that somebody should have dealt with. The whole idea of the film crew that has to sort of stop halfway through and re-evaluate for sound. The kinematograph people. The kinematograph <laughs> Dreadful people. Dreadful kinema people. <laughs> um, which was clearly sort of a, you know, I mean, it did happen, but a sort of singing in the rain thing. Yeah. It happened like a little bit earlier than this. Uh, you know, so I was a bit like, come on, guys. Come but, on. but this is Britain. Everything happens five years after America. Yeah, but it, was, it wouldn't have been five years for a start, but it was, mm, I was it's still a, a bit. Mm. I think we can play fast. I mean, Christ, they were in the trenches a while back, you know. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, the timeline of this is, <laughs> is somewhat confusing. When is this? So this is still, this is what gets me. This is still 1929, yeah. which is when the last. Because they're going was set into well. the 30s. That's they're the going, big new era. So they've just, they don't want to touch the Depression, obviously, because that would be very undownton. Um, terribly un British as well. No one touches the Depression or talks about the Depression. Ever. Well, I mean, they're going to have to because it's about to bite really, really hard. Holy shit. But, um, but yeah, so they, they kind of, they didn't want to get into any of that kind of messy real world politics. But at the same time, like, I don't know how much they can, further they can go without dealing with it. Like this is I the think, end of the Roaring Twenties. Uh, no, but my my firm, profound hope is that we never get any more Downton Abbey, and I say that as an extraordinary fan of the show because I think this film is the perfect button to end this on. I don't think it will be the last one, much as it wounds me. But I think there is no better place to end this because a I don't think there is Downton without the Dowager Countess, but also mm. everyone gets their moment in the sun, and we'll get onto this. But the <laughs> upstairs downstairs inversion at the end, I think, is a perfect button for the show, and I just think leave it. But I will say, you know, as a long time Downton Abbey fan. There is a strong argument to be made that this is the single greatest two hours in Downton history because <laughs> genuinely it is the Avengers Endgame of Downton Abbey. Everyone gets a satisfying conclusion to their mm. overall arc. In a way, the first film didn't. Yep. The first film gave a lot of upstairs resolution, but not a lot of downstairs resolution. And I think this this gave that. <laughs> and I, like, and again, like the bit when they were all being actors at the end and all the servants are playing the lords and stuff, I thought, I had brought tears to my I thought that was absolutely lovely. Yeah. I really did. And if you have, of course, a downstairs resolution, that often leads to a happy ending. So, <laughs> oh boy. So, you, you don't think it's, you know, I mean, I don't love that as an end. <laughs> Did it offend you? They get to know for one it's second what it's like to be posh. What it's like to be a posh. A posh. A posh. A posh. <laughs> wow, one glorious moment and then it's back to the kitchens Soon for you, Soon they'll be boy. hunting their own kind. That's it. That's in it. Downton Abbey, The Purge. I just think <laughs> within this world, it's a perfect resolution. Like it, For those yeah. characters. Yes. Now back in your box. Now back in your box. Get back downstairs, <laughs> fuck off and don't touch the silverware. Right, It's exactly like that. Of course, the best just... inversion would be for somehow the downstairs people. The people under the stairs. The people, <laughs> the people under the That's stairs. That's a crossover I'd watch. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to, uh, to somehow become mega rich, find a lottery ticket what, or, or Derek something. Derek Trotter style. <laughs> yes. And then they usurp Downton mm -hmm. and they buy it off uh, Leslie Grantham and off they go. Off they go to the races and the, yeah. the, the series should end with um, Hugh Bonner Village, Hugh Good Village. Hugh Good City. Is it Good City? Good Town. Good Town. Hugh Good Town. Gets out in the first episode of Da Vinci's Demons. Just throwing that out there. I've seen him in his boxer shorts in real life. Have you? He got. I was on the set of a film called Knife Knife Edge, directed by Anthony Hickox, years ago. And uh, I went until the end of the day to speak to Anthony Goodtown. Anthony he, Goodtown? He, he Hugh Goodtown? Who the fuck is Anthony Goodtown? I don't know. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening to me? Hugh Goodtown. And uh, he was getting changed. And so he, you know, off with the uh, the clothes and on with some more clothes. But in... in in that second, I... You, you glimpsed his high clay castle. I, I saw... I, I, I didn't see his Mr. Brown. <laughs> oh, boy. What? 
Wow. Anyway, my point was that I think they should be usurped, and the the finale of Downton Three should be uh, Mrs. Padmore and 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 Co. dining, uh, eating the severed head of Lord Grantham. Okay, but the problem with that is, I mean, apart from many problems with that, um, the problem with that is that this this film, this world, genuinely believes in the division between the classes, yeah. and you see that in this film, in in the in the scene that I think I tutted at the most, which is where, <laughs> and, and that's a closely fought battle. Let me. Helen has a tutometer yeah. with this movie, yeah. which was um, where Laura Haddock's actress is having a bit of a meltdown. What do yeah. you mean? And yeah, the only oh, people I... who are able to talk her down are people of her own. <laughs> That's right. They send class. up the working class girls. Oh, you're, you're, you're frightfully poor, and, and, and she's frightfully poor, so the two of you could perhaps, yeah, I, I don't know, work it out together, hash it out. It's, it's like that scene in uh, in Spider-Man where the people of New York stand up for him. Do you know what I mean? It's that level of cringe yeah. for me. I, I just, I really struggle with it. But it's the like, we'll have a word with her and sort her out. Don't worry, chaps. I, oh, no. Mm. Yeah. I, what, what, do we, uh, what do we make of the Laura Haddock oh character? My God. Is it, I mean, I genuinely, I found it really funny. But like, it's just that the whole punchline of that entire character is she's a bit common. Like, that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. But it was, and I get, you know, they did lean in a little bit to her anxiety and that being a problem and, and you know, and, and that being a reason why she isn't always nice to people. But at the same time, there was so little resolution and so little kind of grace shown towards her, I think, because she was uppity and the film doesn't like uppity people. Yeah, especially not uppity poor people. Well, no, well she's not poor, but, but you know what I mean. Working, well, uppity working class people, yeah, and, yes. And, and this is the thing, like, I mean, it's all stolen. So much of it is stolen from Singing in the Rain. And, uh, you know, same thing. Like, could we not have had the male lead be the one just to swap it around and not make it obviously Singing in the Rain? That would have been an option. But no one sings in the rain in this, Helen. That's so. true. It doesn't rain in the south of France. It, I mean, it does sometimes, but less, mm. admittedly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I just, you know, yeah, I, I just feel like she she got the raw end of the stick and, and it was kind of sucky because Laura Haddock could play, you know, anybody in that in that world brilliantly. And I just felt like she deserved better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the film crew side of the film made me laugh because it just made me realise it's exactly the same plot as the last film <laughs> where outsiders come into the house and there's a commotion and they turn yeah. things upside down and oh no this isn't how it should be but it, with a little bit more warmth I and would say than the frisson a, a little bit of sexual Mr. Barrow gets mm-hmm. quite the happy well, ending. I wasn't even thinking about Mr. Barrow's ending. Lady uh, Mary. That's right, Lady, Lady Mary. I, I think she should have run off with him. When the cat's well, away, eh? Well, look, if I, I like that they make it, made a virtue of the fact that um, Matthew Good either couldn't or wouldn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I believe officially he had a he had a scheduling clash with um What's the Sky Show? Witches? Discovery uh, of Witches? <laughs> Discovery of Witches. Wow. Yeah, I believe there was a show. He shows well there. Yeah, with the Discovery of Witches. But uh, but either way, they, they they did make a virtue of his absence. So I thought that was clever. But yeah, absolutely. Pew Dante all the way. But she has a husband who is absent and there's a presumption. There's a there's a an unspoken, in fact, it may even be spoken, um, admission that she perhaps doesn't love her husband. Why should she have to go without love? She's got Hugh Dancy. Standing in front of her. He is just a director standing in front of a... What is she? Lady. A lady. Lady of the house. She's now the Dowager Countess, of course, mm. isn't she? Kind of. Well, yeah. I, I like that idea when it's just like, you know, Mary is Violet. Like, she's going to grow into Violet. Yeah. And because that's... she, They've always had the closest relationship. And, and the idea that she will... And she 100% is because she has all the hard edges. 
that uh, the mm-hmm. Violet does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. actually, an unhappy marriage kind of leans into that. Yeah. So, oh, so I, the, I, I just so want the, to be happy. But the Hugh Dancy can now become the Russian prince or the oh, yes. uh, German, oh, sorry, or the, or the French, what was he? Yeah, the French, the, 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 the Vicomte, yeah, yeah, whatever what it is. Vicomte? Yeah, the bloke. The anyway. bloke. So, so you know, she is already repeating her her grandmother's. But she doesn't have to. We don't. We don't have to be. We 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 shouldn't be doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past, Helen. I know, but like, I I believe her, and I think that the show and everything about her, you know, I believe her that uh, she cannot run away with him. Like that well, is not in her character. As I, and I can't nature. remember because it's been so long since I've actually seen the series. But obviously, her being married is kind of critical to her being able to actually inherit. Habit, no, because she doesn't inherit. It's her son that inherits. Oh, that's right. It is her son. Because I couldn't remember how they'd resolved the inheritance issue. Because no, I know it's all, it's all women getting fucked over seems yeah. to be the, the whole trend of the show. So, because the whole thing is... But then, interestingly, because isn't it Tom Branston obviously marries Lucy and Lucy's the illegitimate daughter of her nibs? Uh, of Imelda Staunton. Yeah. But that's okay, because Imelda Staunton then adopted her yeah that's right and leaves it all to her exactly so they've got this this is the other ridiculous thing about the show it's like well George will have Downton and and Laura's kids I'm sorry uh, Lady Edith's kids won't have have an estate but Sibby won't have an estate (laughs) oh no because your kids with Lucy will inherit her estate so Sibby would have no estate if we didn't give her the villa in the south of France <laughs> that somebody gave me. It's so relatable. That's what yeah, it's it me, is. you know? It's, 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 I mean, who who among us has not been in that exact situation? Exactly so. that, you know. But, it, but it's all it's all very peppy and, and well written as far as it goes. And it's it's all very nicely delivered. I did wonder that sometimes I would be listening to these actors like your Alan Leaches and your, your Jim Carters and, and whatnot. Uh, delivering dialogue like this and mm. thinking, what must they think about this, really? <laughs> I, I, are they are they into this? I think or? they have a fucking whale of a time. Do you think? Yeah, I think they probably do. You do. Think? Also, I mean, I love that they they endeavoured to get Jim Carter and Imelda Staunton both oh. to the South of France, neither of, of whom had any real reason no, to be there. Absolutely none. But so having lovely. decided to send one, that they thought, well, we'll just yeah. give them a nice little holiday because they are married. We indeed. In case you didn't know, I, I, what I particularly enjoy is that Carson is the biggest snob of absolutely anyone, even though obviously he's and not a racist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. You know. But you know, uh, I, I find him delightful. Uh, it was not it a delightful was, racist, obviously. No, but no, just no, no, a delightful no, comedic no. character. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I gathered that. Um, but there was, there was. Uh, I did, I did. As a massive Top Secret fan, as people will know, I'm a big fan of the of the 1984 Sucker Abraham Sucker comedy Top Secret, Amen. in which Jim Carter plays Deja Vu, the greatest comedy Frenchman in the history of cinema. And yes, I'm including Inspector Clouseau in that. Uh, and it was just a delight to see Deja Vu in France being really, really horrible well, to what's French that like? people. Like, the French are awfully French, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and have being have such we a... not met before? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Nick, life is filled with its little miseries. <laughs> Each of us must learn to deal with adversity in a mature and adult fashion. Action! <laughs> and then he dives out the window. Anyway, so I once spoke, I've interviewed Jim Carter. And, I, and, it was and in, seen him on a plane reading Jack Reacher. And seen him on a plane reading a Jack Reacher book. Yeah, I think he and I would get on very, very well. I think uh, so. I interviewed him entirely about Deja Vu. Um, it was it was very, very fun. Well, as in you thought you'd done it before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he was going, why are you asking me about a Denzel Washington, Val Kilmer <laughs> film? Hey. Strikes me now, Val Kilmer has been in two films um, concerning Deja Vu. One, Top Secret, mm. and the other one, Deja, Deja Vu. Vu. Wow. It strikes me that Val Kilmer has been in two oh, films. <laughs> Anyway, back to uh, back to the 
<laughs> back to the Downton Abbey. Mm. But the the um, so let's talk. Let's let's tackle. Let's finish with the film crew side of yes. things. Okay. Uh, so we have Laura Haddock. I thought it was a good performance. Um, I thought she's astonishingly beautiful in the movie as well, it's because she has to be somehow yeah. a level above everyone yeah. else in terms of the beauty. Um, and yeah, the character was a little reductive. That was a little bit of a, a, a one-note punchline. But I think it kind of worked. She she sells it, I think. Oh, I mean, she sells it. I just I just felt really uncomfortable with how just how it was played out. And I, I feel like, you know, I guess it's possible that that's the way you go if you're that person in that situation. But wouldn't there be an element more of, you know, erring on the side of caution when you go to a place and you don't understand the rules rather than just like shouting at people from across the well, room. I wonder, Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it just felt... I, think, I kind of mm. never got that she under... I, she seems just horribly entitled. And yes, I think there's definitely insecurity in there and I think that often manifests that way, doesn't it? You Maybe, know, like, when you feel yeah. insecure, you lash out as a way of defending yourself. But I think she, I, the impression I got, she's, I mean, she's not a particularly nice person. Even if she softens mm. a little at the end, she seems a bit of a twat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, she does. I mean, and, you know, when you're in a very privileged position of power like that, you can imagine it does bring out the twattiness in people. Uh, but then, of course, we get to the fact that she speaks in a certain manner. Mm. Yeah. Um, and cannot master the RP way of speaking. I love oh, that. She, she could do an American accent, no yeah. problem. But uh, heaven forfend. Yeah. She mastered the RP. I, I loved Lady Mary doing the thing because, like, Michelle Dockery does posh like no one else mm. does posh. Like, it's like posh to the max. Like, yeah. If she was a top trump, it would be level 10. Poshness. Very much it's, so. It's incredible. And she did a great uh, Cockney accent, by the way, in Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman as she, well. She very did, Not a great yeah. film, but no. she was she was very good in it. She mm. was. Um, she has range. She does have range, a big old range. Uh, as indeed does Laura Haddock. It's more of an estate. We call it an estate yes. in the UK. Actually. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say, I said range. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I call it an arga. But, you know, Karen. <laughs> oh, that, um, she wouldn't know about that kind of thing. That's downstairs talk. Mm, Laura Haddock. Well, Enough of the downstairs talk, Ellen. This this podcast has been racy enough already. Uh, yeah, Laura Haddock, of course, Peter Quill's mum. And of course, yeah, the person who kisses Captain America in that little montage in the first confusing. Cap film. Yeah, confusing. very confusing. One of the few actors to play two roles in the MCU. Yeah. Okay. Who are the others? Gemma Chan. Gemma Chan. Um, Alfred Woodard in Luke Cage mm -hmm. and uh, Captain America Civil War. And then there are a couple of others. Yeah. Uh, for example, the guy in Agent Carter, whose name I can't remember, but the TV show Agent Carter, who's like the hunky agent that maybe has a frisson with her. I can't remember his name, but he is also in Avengers. Is he? Yeah. yeah. He's the one from Dollhouse. Yes. And then, of course, uh, okay. Kenneth Choi. In, he plays the grandson of his character. Of his in, character in, in the first Avenger. Yeah. But there are a couple of other ones. Right. Anyway, back to Downton and back to the, <laughs> film, the film crew side of things. A couple of things about the film crew. I want to talk about uh, Guy Dexter and Mr. Barrow in a second. But... Um, I, I I thought the one joke that the film hit far too hard was Maggie Smith and everyone else kind of going, oh, what is this acting? It's frightful. I would <laughs> never be caught dead acting in a million years. Well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Because, you know, we know she was a bit of a goer in her day, like flirting huh? with princes and vicomtes and all sorts. I beg your pardon? So I feel like she's she's been to at least the, the legit the theatre. Theater. It's not, she may not have been to a music hall, she may not have been and seen any vaudeville, but she at least, you know, has seen 
act. Lest we forget, this is someone who once said, first electricity, then telephones. Sometimes I feel like I'm living in an H.G. Wells story. <laughs> yeah, she did, she did do that. That is true. Yeah. Genuinely, genuinely, that character has some of the best dialogue of anyone anywhere in any show. She, I mean, she is a comedic gift. What's and, the weekend? And, <laughs> look, Maggie Smith is... Um, Incredible yeah. and flawless. Don't be and defeatist, dear. It's very middle class. Yeah. Can I just say that um, I, I, I think that her, she dies, obviously. Uh, she kicks a bucket. Uh, and her last line yeah. is, I think, a legitimately yeah. great. It's like if you, were doing a, if you were doing a list of great lines that people say in movies before they cark it, stop that noise, I can't hear myself die, yeah. is a fucking Banger. Yeah, Give him scary. a second lordship for that. Can you do that? Can you be Lord Lord? What? Contest, contest? <laughs> no, him, fellows. Oh, fellows. Because he wrote it. He wrote oh, it. I see. Right. Yes. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Well, actually, no, the, the Queen said she wasn't going to create any more hereditary dukedoms, didn't she? So, oh, no, so I don't know if there's anywhere for him to go. You don't want a hereditary dukedom because then you get decapitated by a telephone pole. It's still too soon. I feel like it's still too soon. Hereditary, James. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. I didn't get that at all. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but that's a cracking line. That is a cracking is line. A great, line. A, a great way, I think, for her to go out. Uh, I've only seen Maggie Smith in these two films. Mm. Um, You've never seen her before in anything else. I'd, I'd never seen, seen her before. Harry Potter and all sorts of things. What is Harry Potter? <laughs> No, that, that's exactly what she is in the TV show as well. Okay. She is she is the best character in it. Yeah. So I think you're, I, I think Jen is right in the sense of you know her death maybe being a cap on the whole enterprise. Mm. Not cap, obviously he's he's frozen. No, the cap on the enterprise is Picard. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> well, it depends, doesn't it, James? <laughs> uh, but but no. Don't tell she, me your name, Pike. <laughs> <laughs> she is she is genuinely flawless in everything she does. She is. She's great. And, uh, you know, she was she was diagnosed with the death at the end of the, the yes, first movie. She was diagnosed yes. with a bad case of impending yes. death. Yes, yes. she was. But uh, <laughs> what I think is interesting about this film, of course, is they do the big fake eye and they try and convince you. Like, it's it's genuinely Hawkeye in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. They genuinely try and convince you that they're going to kill Hawkeye, a.k.a. Lady Cora. Yeah. Played 18. Shot 18. Oh, she's and, American. Sorry. Yes, and instead... And it turns out she's fine. Yeah. Yeah, totally fine. Totally fine. Even though Donk thought she was going to die. I mean, not a great, not a great, you know, scenario with the doctors in this show either. No, no. but it gives um, it gives Hugh Goodtown a, a chance to show off his range. He must have yeah. cried all that fake tan off. <laughs> it was very streaky yeah. by the end. Yeah, because yeah. because that, that bit where she says, "Oh, I'm gonna," and he's like, "Oh no, I've lost everything. I'm gonna lose you, and I'm gonna lose my mum, and, and the I'm, roof is uh, yeah, leaking, and I might be French. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be dealing with this. I mean, you dying is quite low down my list of priorities at the moment, but I'm not happy about it." Is the subtext of that, that scene? That is <laughs> the big drama for this is one might have inherited illegitimately. It's like <laughs> one oh, might boy. be half French. Oh, the horror! The well, horror. Let's see where he goes. But I don't like garlic. <laughs> oh my god! This ridiculous. It's amazing. It's uh, genuinely amazing. But Maggie Smith, not in real life, but in the film, she she shuffled off this mortal coil. Mm. She did. I guess it was inevitable because people have been. You know, she has been. An elderly character <laughs> since season one, which, lest we forget, was set in 1912. Okay. So it's now been 17 years in in world, and she's still roughly the same elderly character. Yeah. As as Fellas pointed out in the interview, she started off acting 
up slightly upwards in age and is now acting. Yeah, because so didn't the, the show better. started in what I want to say 2010, 2011, something like that. Something sounds it was about, about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, enough for happy to be into it. In it's a lot of MCU chat in this, <laughs> even so more weird. so than usual. <laughs> for Happy Hogan to be into it in Iron Man three, which came out in twenty thirteen. Yeah. So I wonder how Happy Hogan feels about this. Do you think he's watched these movies? Oh yeah, for sure, without a doubt, unquestionably. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, back to Guy Dexter. <laughs> uh, back to uh, a special guest star. It's nice to see Barrow happy because Barrow was a heel originally. Mm. Was like, he? It wasn't his. His um, he was he was fundraising at one point. He was running a marathon or something, and his web page, if you wanted to sponsor him, was his evil, web page. Was evilbutler.com. Oh, in real life? Yeah, yeah in real yeah. life. Oh, I thought you meant there was oh, no, a storyline. The no, no, the <laughs> like, yeah, they don't, they don't run marathons an, in this. Yeah. So early on, he was the evil sort of footman and there was an evil maid yeah. and the two of them conspired together. But then at one point, Lord Grantham goes to bat for him when he's being arrested for being gay and that's the kind of turning point for his character where he starts his redemption arc. Was that um, in the last film or was that... No, that's in the series. Oh, so okay. I remember it's after a cricket match. They're <laughs> about to frog march him off the green. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's it's a whole thing. And he, because he he turns against the evil maid using a bit of blackmail. Ah, yes. clever. La, uh, Lady Crawley's soap or bathtub, whatever it was, because she uh, she puts the soap down and she slips on the soap and loses a child. Anyway, it's a whole <gasps> thing. So uh, yeah, yeah. So And he begins his redemption. And you start, and you, you know, you really feel for him because, you know, he's, he's, he's actually nice after all. I like the storyline in the first movie as well, where he was... He goes to the gay club yeah. and nearly gets arrested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's trying, he, he maybe finds happiness with this this guy whose name I can't remember, Ellis, maybe? And uh, But, you know, obviously at the beginning of this movie, that gentleman has conveniently uh, gone full uh, Oliver and call me by your name and <laughs> decided to pretend to be straight. He uh, talks about the only happiness someone like him can realistically mm-hmm. expect. Like, it's a real tragedy to his yeah. arc. And it's just, it's a beautiful way of finding, although you can't, I mean, you know, I don't know, like, Guy is very much like, you know, hi, we've not even kissed, but come and live with me, but also work for me, which is a slightly weird power imbalance. But hey, let's just roll with it. Yeah, I, I think that, again, you know, it was a very circumscribed happy ending for me in that respect, because mm-hmm. it was... It felt so chaste. It felt very chaste and, yeah. and fine. You know, I'm not saying we need hardcore sex in a Downton Abbey movie. I'm really, really not. I mean, imagine what the old dears in your cinema would have thought, Chris. My God. They've probably been oh. into it. Yeah. <laughs> There's 100% going to be a downstairs resolution for those two. I'm, <laughs> Good I'm Lord. confident wow. of that. Um, yeah, but there, there was, so they, they definitely, f- I, I got this sense that they fancied each other. But if, if he is going to give up a very, at that point, stable job. Yeah. You know, you wanted maybe a little bit more of an establishing of that. But, I mean, look, you know, film stars at the time did have a bit more freedom than everybody else. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was very usual for them to have household staff. Um, it was perhaps... A you never slight- see his household staff at any point. <laughs> <laughs> it was perhaps um, slightly more forgiving behind the scenes as an environment than certainly Downton would be. Yeah. You know, so I guess... But it, it could have been made a little bit more explicit again without the hardcore fucking... Mm. Um, I thought that would have been an interesting development for for Downton. Literally a new era. Mm. Here we go. Because the pilot episode begins with him blackmailing a posh guy that he's been sleeping with. Really? As I recall. Yeah, so he's been sleeping with it and and the posh guy goes into his room to steal the letters so they can't blackmail him. And that's before Theo James, you know, dies. Oh my God. In Lady Mary's bed. That's right. No. <gasps> yeah, Scandal. My, my favorite website, Go Fuck Yourself, apart from Empire, of course, James, um, had a, had a <laughs> running joke no for years pretending. about her having a, a haunted vagina 
Um, well, because she kills everyone she fucks. Well, that is know, true. That is true. It's not a great track record. It's not for great. Her. Was it so like, it's not unlike it like the ring? film Teeth. Yeah. Does. <laughs> so basically, Theo James played a Turkish, I think, diplomat. I don't know why. Yeah. And, uh, who, who's, who's, which lady is this? Lady Mary? Lady Mary. Who's played by? Michelle Dockery. Michelle Dockery. Michelle Dockery. Hmm. So he had, uh, th- so they were basically flirting. At this point, she wasn't married. It was quite early on. And she decided, you know what? Why don't I have sex with this dude? Who wouldn't? And uh, And they did. And then he had a heart attack and died in her bed. And she was left with a difficult job of corpse disposal essentially uh, without anyone knowing where he died ideally and this but is Theo James she had to, yeah, yeah. and then she, had and she, she calls on the staff to come and smuggle the dead body out of her bag, bed in it, back into his own room back into his own and room and is she uh, her, who's her first husband that Dan was before Stevens. Dan Stevens yeah, cousin. so then Dan Stevens dies in a car crash yeah. yes after their marriage so so do we think on the day the child is born, I think. Yeah, absolutely. He was mm-hmm. on, was he on his way to the hospital? Back. Uh, I think uh, it was either she yeah, says, right, it was one she of the says other. in the film that she held he yeah. held their child right, in, in his arms yeah. and then died. And then died. Yeah. So unless he had the car crash, then crawled but, to the hospital, but, held the baby in his arms. But didn't he do that Meg Ryan in City of Angels thing where he's driving along and just sort of looks yes. up at the sky and it's like, it's like keep your eyes on the road, you raging bell end. And got yeah. killed. You know, there's a fucking moral there, isn't there? There is a moral there. Eyes on the road. He should have listened to Will Smith and just the two of us about, you know, taking our, our to get the car seat in right. You know, people driving all fast got me kind of upset. We like, couldn't have done Helen you know because I mean? it's set in the 1920s and Will Smith wasn't born for at least wow. another 40 years. You haven't thought this through. I haven't thought this through. I'm so fucking sorry. Fucking hell. Yeah. But the other thing about Lady Mary is, do we think she's properly bumped off Matthew Good? Oh, you think he's not just off screen in... Turkey yeah. is actually like yeah. It's all for you think it's a haunted vagina again, Lady yeah. Mary, if you yeah. will. I think you sleep with uh, Lady Mary, and then you sleep seven. with the fishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. So I, d- I don't think he's he's bumped off yet, but I think if you know Matthew Good keeps having other commitments, I think he might be bumped off because he could be very easily. Because of course he's a he's a race car driver. She should have gone with him. She should have gone with Hugh Dancy. Go with him. <laughs> Go, go, to, go him. to him. Go to Will Graham. Go to what's a strange way to say his name? Will Graham. Will Graham. <laughs> Will Graham. Go to him. I don't think you want to have to fight Hannibal Lecter for his affections. I think Lady Mary would win. She's got a haunted wow. vagina. She does. It's true. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, take your face off. That is- <laughs> oh, that image is in my brain now. To quote Thor. <laughs> oh. Editing now. <laughs> keep it in. Keep it in. being kept in. That's a very much a downstairs resolution. Um, <laughs> oh my word! Oh, we haven't talked about France. Should we talk about France? Real we quick? should talk about Just France. Real quick. Real quick. I, I liked the. I liked the Vicomte. I can't remember his his actual title. The French chap. Know, the French chap. I thought he he was nice, and it was nice not to be instantly hostile towards him, just because it was more interesting in some ways. Yeah. But I felt like there was a little bit of resolution missing with his mum. I felt like there was a moment or a you know a conversation or something. Maybe Cora could have said something if she hadn't been so obsessed with her own medical details. <laughs> you know, she could have sat down and, and had some kind of rapprochement. See, I didn't give a her. shit because I just thought she's a twat. She was like like she, I mean to be fair, she was in an unhappy marriage for a whole life. So I get I get she's had a pretty life. unfortunate time there. But it's like it's I mean, one's villa, like one has many, many, many estates and villas. I believe one can so part with the, the villa. So do the Downton lot. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But 
lest we forget, little Sibby does not have an estate, Helen, and needed this uh-huh. to secure her future happiness. And, and don't worry, <laughs> Tom and Lucy assure us that they'll bring the rest of the family. That's with right. Them on Every holiday. summer it'll be a tradition. We'll come and rub it in your faces. Yeah, it'll be capital. And I do think that was one of the areas that you thought saw maybe the budget interfere a little bit, or perhaps COVID, to be fair. Like you didn't see them take the blue train down. To no, Nice, which was very famous at the you time. Yeah. Uh, like Agatha Christie set a novel on it. Famously. Oh, right, okay. So she's um, always setting novels on things that move. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's a, get like, a new idea, Christie. Space, isn't it? Yeah, well, Agatha Christie's much better. Agatha anyway, Christie uh, is much better. <laughs> 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 so yeah, so you just have them turning up in France, but you know the French, the French stuff. I mean, look. The scenery in this is is dreamy and gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And I thought the beach was not comfortable. Oh well, no, when maybe not Lucy the most and Tom, yeah, see him get the names, and they they put the blankets <laughs> down on the, on the beach, and I, mean, I was just thinking, God, they're poor bums. But some, I mean, some of yeah, it, it it did look pretty amazing all the same, and and I have to say, like the costumes were out of this world. There was a, there was a coat that Lucy was wearing. I think is her going away coat. After well, the she's well, beginning. very well dressed. I this. saw this with my mum, and my mum let out an audible like ooh <laughs> yeah. sound at that like just couldn't. I think I saw the movie with your mum the other day <laughs> God, but, I swear to God yeah. there, were, there were bits towards the end obviously when Maggie Smith kicks a bucket so people were like oh but there was there was a moment towards the end I think people were happy about uh, I, I still want to talk about Mr. Barrow in a second but there were there, people were happy but there was a certain resolution towards the end where someone gets reconciled oh and Samantha Bond turns up and people are like oh it was oh, all yeah, very yeah, lovely. Yeah, it was right. it was a really lovely atmosphere to to have. Uh, but yeah, the France the France stuff I thought was 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 fine. The interesting thing the interesting thing about it was I was expecting this to go full holiday on the buses and have the entire film set in France. And yeah, it's I quite so. a short portion mm. of the film. It is, yeah. yeah. Like they're back in Downton. The, the, the last forty minutes is all in Downton. Yeah. I, I want I want people getting into. Um, Comedic misunderstandings. I want, I want full-on twangers going on. You know, boom. Oh, sorry, Mrs. Marsham. I nearly saw your boobies. That kind of thing. You realise <laughs> that Downton is not Carry On. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been Carry On up the Downton. You could I, easily I mean, I have that. I would watch that. I would. I would write that. You should write. You I would. should write, dear Julian Fellows. <laughs> you don't know me. No one needs Downton. Porn. <laughs> it's not Downton it's porn. Not porn. Carry On's not porn. Farce. Your version of it would be. It's I have absolutely no doubt. Wouldn't be. It's good old fashioned innuendo. Get it right. up, you. <laughs> With a haunted, I'm being haunted vagina. I bet she does. Oh, you know all that sort of stuff. <laughs> It'd be great. So Mick Jagger's going to be in this. <laughs> I'm very confused. Hey, okay, she's got a haunted vagina. <laughs> I should not have used that phrase, should I? I see now that I you made. You see the error. mistake you yeah. made. Yes. Um, mm. <laughs> But so so neither of you were taken with the with the downstairs coming upstairs. I liked it. Thing. I thought it was fine, but you know the 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 message isn't great, is it? What? You know, let letting the 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 poor folk have a, a day of playing posh posho, and then going back to the and then go back to your drudgery. They'll only get ideas about this because, exactly because yeah. none of them aspired to be in more than what they have. I mean, that, that's the, none of them aspired to anything above that station. Yeah. They're all very much like I've been slaving away for Mister Downton for forty years, man and boy. I'm fine fit. In fact, he beats me to death every morning. I'm grateful for it. You know, <laughs> that, that that's that's where they are. There could have been a little bit more pushback, a little bit more finickeriness, I think, from, from some of the, the downstairs people. But Mr. Molesley going to become a very wealthy screenwriter. Which is exactly how it happens. You just walk onto the set of a movie. <laughs> and In fairness... <coughs> sorry. 
in fairness, in the early days, I suppose there was a little bit more of that. But... I guess it was. Hey, someone gave Samuel L. Jackson a screenplay <laughs> in a fucking cab. So, you know. And that person was Stel George Pavlou. Lucas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> was it Stel Pavlou? Yeah, it was, was it the 51st State. Yeah. Wasn't it in a cab? I think it was in a cab. Was it in a cab? Something like that. Okay, great story. Yeah, uh, I remember. I'll tell you one character I really liked, and I liked him perhaps because there was a touch of Julian Fellowsness to the character, was Alex McQueen as Mr. Stubbins, the very uppity sound recordist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who I, I think he's such a funny actor, Alex McQueen. He's really, really great in pretty much everything he's in. Uh, but just this very, very posh, very fastidious guy who had a, a haircut not unlike Julian Fellows. Moustache, <laughs> obviously Julian Fellows does have a moustache, but I do wonder if there was just a little bit of a yeah, they, he, he was he was very fun. Um, yeah. Again, it felt like that one scene in Singing in the Rain where they're trying to record sound and, you know, every every other word is getting lost and, you know, every rustle of a costume or clatter of pearls is being picked up. Um, but this is better. This it, is better this is, than Singing I, in the Rain. On behalf of, like, cinema, I would like to make it clear that it is not the Empire podcast position that this is better than Singing in the Rain. I just want to make that clear. I think very it is. Clear. I'm pretty it's, sure no, that no. that's, you know. It's filled with no. people who are way more attractive than yeah. your troll man, Gene Kelly. <laughs> wow. uh, there's Hugh Goodtown, objectively more attractive than, Absolutely not. than Gene Kelly. Jim Carter, objectively more attractive than Gene Kelly. Hugh Dancy. I mean, if you'd started with Hugh Dancy and Dominic West, we could have had a discussion. And now Dominic West, no. I'm building up the Dominic West. He's my H-bomb of <laughs> handsomeness. He H is for handsomeness. He's a very handsome man. See, he's Hugh Dancy, man. I think, is better than Gene Singy Dancy. No, I don't I don't agree. Yeah. It's a good pun, though. Uh, anyway, I want to finish off uh, on Dominic West, as so many of us do. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can write Carry On on the down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the thing the thing is, it's, I feel like so many of these things which amuse me so greatly are going to be like, I'm going to get like 10 o'clock at night, hand wringing text. It's going to go, I don't know, can I keep it? Oh, it's gone, it's gone. That's not me sexting James, by the way. <laughs> I'm finding it hard, Jimbo. Should I, should I, should I keep it? Anyway. <laughs> So it's all very, it's all very chase, isn't it, with Barrow and Guy Dexter? It's because he's he gives up his entire life at Downton, yeah, and yeah. goes off in the world on the vaguest of promises. And mm -hmm. I do wonder if there was something a little bit more solid that maybe they cut out. What a quick handy under the stairs. <laughs> I, I, I feel like this is probably all there was, judging by the amount of time they get compared to everyone else. I feel like this is probably all there was. But yeah, I mean, like you could have asked to see a contract before. But there's not even a moment that's just like, oh, hello, I'm Guy Dexter, dashing movie star. What are you doing? You know, I, I, I've only been given scenes with you, so therefore I must be attracted to you. <laughs> and Mr. Brown's like, oh, yes, sir. Oh, very, very much so. Do, do you think, do you mean what I think you mean, sir? And he's like, yes, yes. Quick shafty around the bushes and then off we go. It's not nothing like that. Or like, there's no declaration of love or I even fancy you or... No, it would have been nice to see at least. A, I mean, I think. But you can is, feel it, can't you? You can feel it, but like, I think they're this drawn is, to each other. This is the small C as opposed to the large C conservatism of the film coming through, mm. isn't it? Like, it, not even kind of hand holding for the gay characters. Uh, like, you know, again, we're not asking for hardcore sex, but. I mean, in fairness, it's, it's the heterosexual couples don't really go up for sort of like humping on the furniture either. No. With the exception of that first episode where Lady Mary is quite literally doing that. But it's, there's not a lot of rumpy pumpy at Downton. What happens in the first episode? Hmm? What happens in the first episode? It's Lady Mary and, and, and Theo James. 
with the haunted vagina. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Ooh. Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> or in his case, it was about seven minutes, but you know. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, impressively short. Oh well, I think that's it for our Downton Abbey, <laughs> a new era spoiler special. Um, it has been a lot of fun. By the time I edit this, it'll be 12 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, thank you for subscribing to the spoiler specials, as always. Your, your support, especially after this, really does mean a lot. <laughs> your, your continued support really means a lot. Um, <laughs> keep in peel for more spoiler specials coming your way over the next weeks and months, including weekly episodes devoted to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Uh, and Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but until we meet again, until then, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, James Dyer. Toodle pit. Toodle Toodle. I'm stealing Damn Helen's you. line. Toodle Yes, I've gone first. Toodle Fuck you. Huh? <laughs> pip, pip, and away. Yes, the English making life difficult for the Irish again, is it? I see. Bloody typical. Bloody Seven. typical. Seven. <laughs> That's a downstairs resolution I do not want. <laughs> oh. It's goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. Again, I'm sorry. I'm you couldn't think of anything else. Like, cheerio. I, I cheerio. Cheerio. Ta-ta. What ho. <laughs> I, think, I feel a little, a little bit like you're going to war as part of the World War One RAF. But... We'll meet again. Tally ho. <laughs> and technically speaking, that's World War Two. Helen. I know. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, it's goodbye from me as well, and Chris Hewitt. Uh, I am off. It's been a long time in this booth, and I'm off for a downstairs resolution, but not the kind that you might think. Absolutely. Shall we all be united in singing the national anthem? <clears throat> a one. A two, a one, two, three, four. For he's a jolly good fellows. For he's a jolly good fellows. For he's a jolly oh, good fellows. Which nobody can deny. How does anyone subscribe to this podcast? Oh, very easily. You go to supportingcast.fm forward slash empire. Just two ninety nine for a month, thirty two ninety nine for a year. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>